0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. If you would, would you take out your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 24? You may be going there electronically. and That's perfectly fine. Um, And once you get there, just hold your place. Last weekend, we started a new series. The series is called God's at War, a battle for your heart. Um, And throughout this series, we're going to be wrestling with the question... Who is your God? Let me say that again. We're going to be wrestling with the question, Who is your God? The goal of the series is to help us grow in our understanding of one of the greatest challenges that we will face in our lifetimes. And uh, that challenge is the challenge of keeping God first in our lives. Um, Far too often, there are objects and tasks and duties And responsibilities and pleasures that somehow uh, make their way to the inside of us. And once they do, a battle begins. And uh, that battle is a constant fight for the love and the loyalty that belong to God and to God alone. And the outcome of this battle is actually distraction. If we're not careful, before we know it, we find ourselves so distracted that we are worshiping created things rather than the creator of all things. It becomes an issue of divided loyalty and actually it becomes ultimately a, an issue of idolatry. Um, Any time that we allow someone or something else to become a perceived end in itself. In other words... If you convince yourself, if you're deceived into believing, that relationship will bring the contentment and the joy and the happiness that I've been looking for, or that promotion at work, that will bring the fulfillment that I've been looking for, or the new car, or the new house. At the moment those things become a perceived end in themselves, they become gods that we worship and that we serve. Why? because a God is anything we sacrifice for. A God is what we're willing to pursue. A God is anything that we elevate above God himself. Anything can become an idol if it becomes a substitute for God in our lives. I said this last weekend. I'm going to say it again today. God is not looking for a place in our lives. What is he looking for? He's looking for first place. God is not looking for a a place on the board of directors in your life. He wants first place. Remember, He is the organization. And He's called us out of our selfish organization into His family, into His kingdom. And that's the realm that we live in. When we live there, we live by a completely different way. Um, In order for God to have this first place in our lives it means that we have to be willing to ask ourselves some very honest questions. And if we're going to ask honest questions, we have to be willing to give ourselves some very honest answers. And chief among those questions is the question, Who is my God? Which God am I going to serve? And asking the honest question, looking for the honest answers means that we have to be willing to acknowledge those false gods, those little G gods that have made their way into our lives. And we have to dethrone those gods so that God, the one true God, can take his rightful place. Now, hopefully, if you weren't here last weekend, I've given you enough of a backdrop so that you can know where we're going in this series. Today, we're going to be challenged with making a choice. So to begin to move us towards that, I want to point us in a little bit of a different direction right now. And um, I want to test your game show knowledge. You ready? Um, If I were to say, uh, which door will it be? Door number one? Door number two or door number three. Which game show am I talking about? Let's Make a Deal. Yeah, you're game show addicts, aren't you? Yeah, let's make a deal. In 1963, viewers across America sat in their living room in front of their television sets as NBC aired for the very first time Let's Make a Deal, who was hosted by who? Monty Hall. Monty (laughs) Hall hosted the show for 30 years and the show can still, get this, be seen today as it's hosted by Wayne Brady. If you'll recall, if you ever saw the show, if you see it now, audience members dress up in outlandish costumes in order to attract the attention of the host uh, in hopes of being able to make a deal for cars, cash, trips, All kinds of prizes. The audience members are actually referred to as traders. And at the end of each show, one trader is picked for the big deal of the day. At the big deal of the day, there are three doors. And one of those doors has behind it the grand prize of the greatest value and the other two don't. The trader is given just a few moments to consider which door they're going to choose. And then they hear this. So, which door will it be? Will you choose door number one, door number two, or door number three? And the trader, if they make the right choice, might find themselves jet-setting somewhere in the world on a luxury vacation complete with what? Samsonite luggage. Remember? (laughs) Always Samsonite luggage. If they make the wrong choice, they might find themselves going home with an old broken-down billy goat, And a dented up milk pail And a broken down milk stool I suppose that we could say The premise of the show Is all about uh, Challenging people To make choices Will you choose the envelope Or will you choose the box Will you choose the little box Will you choose the big box Will you choose door number one Door number two Or door number three Say how are you going to tie this into Joshua chapter 24 I can do this Listen um, last week I said, uh, as I began the series, um, that, uh, we're, we're going to wrestle with the question, who is your God? And if you'll remember, if you were here last week, if not, I'm telling you now, I said in wrestling with that question, who is your God? Uh, we are also going to be reminded that there are many options, but that there's only one right choice. And today, as we look at Joshua 24, specifically verses 14 and 15, we'll find Joshua giving us great insight uh, into those options, some of the options that are available to us. And so, before I read the passage, I want to give you just a little bit of the back story. So, I'm going to go all the way back to Moses and the Exodus. Uh, while uh, Moses was in leadership, God displayed his power in great ways uh, through the 10 plagues, Through the parting of the Red Sea, um, bread from heaven, water out of a rock. He even gave them a supernatural GPS system, a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. Even so, the children of Israel still just didn't have great faith. And what should have been a, a month long hike through the wilderness to the promised land. Became what amounted to almost a four decade camping trip. Can you imagine camping that long? Some of you campers would say, Yeah, we'd love it. Um, uh, Moses and his generation die, they never make it into the promised land. Joshua. Uh, is the successor. He is appointed as leader. And when we come to Joshua chapter 24, what we find is that Joshua is now old. He's actually about 110 years old. And in that, he bears battle scars. From uh, the many battles that he's fought, and he has wisdom and he has faith as he's trusted God for victory in all of these battles, and he seems to know that he doesn't have a lot of time left. So what does he do? He gathers all the people into uh, to a to a crowd to hear what seems to be his farewell address. And as he clears his throat, this is what he says. Verse 14 of chapter 24. Follow along as I read. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Listen, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then you can choose for yourself this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Listen, it's not hard to see. Joshua doesn't waste any time getting right to the point. He he goes right to the point and he says, people, wake up. It's time for you to make a choice. Choose. Choose today who you are going to serve. You can serve the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob or you can choose another God. But whatever you do, make a choice. It's time to make a choice. And then, you wanted them to know whichever choice you make, it's going to lead you in a very different direction. Um, then he makes a declaration. He says, but this is what I want you to know for me. Here's the choice that I've made. Today, I am declaring that as for me and my household, we are going to serve the Lord. That is our choice We're going to serve him and him alone. I choose God. That's who I'm going to serve. Now, I find it very interesting that Joshua didn't give a fifth option. And a fifth option could have been something like this. Or today, you can choose to choose nothing. You can remain neutral. You can choose nothing. Not to worship anyone or anything, but he didn't. He did not give them that choice. Why? Because worship is hardwired into every single one of us, it is how God made us. Everybody worships someone. Or something. It's been that way through every civilization. It's been that way and continues to be that way in every single culture. Everybody worships something or someone. So that means the question would never be, uh, who uh, do you worship? But instead, the question will always be, who or what do you worship? And here's the reality. Every day... Every single one of us are making choices. We make choices every day. And those choices declare, uh, they, they reveal the gods who are winning the war in our lives. Just by the choices that we make every single day. In modern thinking, we uh, associate, most often we associate uh, worship with religion but if you take away the religious language then what we're left with is a built in human reflex to put our hope in someone or something and chase after it it's how we're wired it's how we're made it's how God created us so everybody worships someone everybody worships something um Joshua that day gave four options. I want to tell you what those options are. And then because each of those options are still very relevant for us today, I want to go back and I want to talk about each one of those options. And so as Joshua is giving the options that day, he says, "Um, choose you this day who you're going to serve. You can choose the gods of your ancestors, the gods of your mothers and fathers. Or your choice is to choose the gods of your past. He says, or you can choose to worship the gods of your culture. He says, or you can choose to worship God himself. Let's talk about each one of those. First option, he says, you can choose to worship the gods of your ancestors, the gods of your fathers and mothers, Before Abraham and his ancestors had been called out as the special people, the chosen people, the children of Israel, uh, Abraham and his ancestors worshiped the gods of their region. And these gods included cosmic gods, paranormal gods, specialized gods that were associated with demons. Uh, The belief was even that the rocks and the hills were alive and they contained special powers. The Bible specifically tells us that Abraham's father was an idol worshiper. And the point I'm making is that it was handed down from generation to generation. Remember, this is pre-Egypt. This is before they were called out to be the chosen ones pre-Egypt they were idol worshipers and it got passed down from generation to generation to generation and even after they were called out to be the children of Israel God's special, God's chosen people what had been passed down from the generations made it into Moses' leadership it continued through Moses' leadership it made its way into Joshua's leadership and it made its way all the way up we'll see to Joshua chapter 24 in other words They were were worshiping what they had, had learned. And Joshua's question to them is this, Are you going to continue this way? Is this going to be your default always? Are you going to continue to worship the gods of your parents and the gods of your grandparents? And please let me say right now, this is not a message that's anti-parent or anti-grandparent. Not in any way whatsoever. I am a parent. I am a grandparent. And I find great honor in that. And we have the, the ability to pass wonderful things, godly, spiritual things onto our children and our grandchildren. But we also have the ability to pass on things that aren't so good I guess the question I'm asking is have we been exposed to the law of exposure and the premise behind the law of exposure is that um, our, our lives are determined by our thoughts and our thoughts are determined uh, by what we've been exposed to and so uh, let, me, let me make it a little more relevant um, for example, uh, was your father a workaholic? Did his life center around his job? Was success his chief aim and goal? And now, is it possible that you find yourselves today worshiping the gods of success and of achievement or not picking on moms but let me say this was your mother obsessed with perfection was um, keeping up appearances disproportionately important to her was anything less than perfect unacceptable and now think about you today do you find yourself worshiping the gods of appearance and the gods of perfection? You see the point I'm making? There's so many examples that we could give. Um, uh, Think about this. Um, Do you Model what was modeled for you in your home. The most natural pathway to worship is to adopt the gods that we were exposed to in our formative years. And so, listen, that can also be really good. When I think about my mom, my mom was a worshiper of the one true God. My mom dedicated all four of her children to God at a very early age. And so she passed on to us spiritual things. And that's a great God of the past to worship because it's the God of the present. Or on the flip side of the coin in our families, in our cultures our environments that we grew up what were we exposed to? So he says you can, you can worship the gods of your fathers and mothers. He says or uh, you can worship the gods of your past. You can worship the gods of your past. Uh, during the children of Israel's 400 years of captivity in Egypt they were continuously exposed to the gods that the Egyptians worshipped and they worshipped those gods. Once they were out of Egypt, everything was new, but those gods that they had learned to love and worship back in Egypt didn't give up without a fight. They wanted to hang on. They had been taught to worship nearly everything, the sun, the moon, the stars, literally just about everything. And guess what? Old patterns. Even old patterns of worship die hard. So when we think about ourselves, do we ever find ourselves dealing with the gods from our past? Things that we thought we had let go of a long time ago. I think we all do. I I think that this is a struggle that we all... That's why it's a daily challenge to keep God first in our our lives, even after inviting Christ into our lives and making him Lord of our lives, there are times where we can get a whiff of something, a God from the past that's still fighting for our love and our loyalty, and we're faced with a choice. What will we do? The real challenge before us is trying to follow Jesus without leaving these past gods behind. So he says you can worship the gods of your fathers and mothers or you can worship the gods of your past. He says, or you can worship the gods of the culture. You can worship the gods of the culture you're in right now as if it weren't enough that they had to deal with the gods from Egypt that they had worshiped now they're in a new land. They're surrounded by a new people, and not only a new people, but a diversity of people with a diversity of gods. The chief god in their culture was the god of Baal, and Baal required ritual prostitution. And then there was Asherah. She was the, the mother goddess, and she also required sexual rituals. These gods had the home advantage because they were right there in their face, they were up close and personal. Two of the most significant factors uh, that consistently termine, determine which gods are willing, uh, winning the war in our lives are time and place. Obviously, we're not, I hope not, struggling with whether or not we're going to worship Baal or Asherah, but we do struggle with the gods within our culture every day. Am I right? Every day we struggle with whether or not we're going to worship the gods of our culture uh, every day we're faced with these gods and sometimes these gods are subtle it's kind of like the frog in the kettle scenario um, I said this last service actually Cammy and I were just talking just a few days ago um, personal confession um, we remember a time has been quite a few years ago where we were watching a television show that we loved to watch we could hardly wait for ER to come on. And then one day one night on ER there was an occurrence and we said, "That's it.' not going to watch it anymore." And we turned it off. never watched it to this day. However, because of the exposure, time and place living in our culture, it's like the frog in the kettle so you become immune. You become desensitized, and I would say that today we're not as quick to make that same decision as we made in the past. We find ourselves watching things that we shouldn't. I'm just being honest with you because I doubt that any of you in the room are very different. We're desensitized by the culture. Why? Because we're processing life in a fallen world and a culture that is opposed to God. And so we can be easily shaped and influenced by the culture. And this is why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, do not copy the patterns of the world. Don't conform to the, ways world of, the world's way of thinking, the world's way of doing things. Instead, follow after God. Let your hearts and your minds be renewed spiritually renewed so that we're dethroning those old gods and we offer ourselves as living sacrifices continually to the one true God. So Joshua says you can worship the gods of your mothers and fathers or you can worship the gods of your past or you can worship the gods of the culture. He says or you can worship God. Himself. You can worship God Himself. And this final option uh, has actually been all along the only true option. After all, all the other gods, they're not even real. We serve the one true living God, the God, the creator of the universe, whose very breath caused life and creation to come into being. And these other gods are actually temporary things. And their purpose is to distract us and to draw us away and to rob the love and the loyalty, the worship that is due, the one true God. And Joshua somewhat stacks the deck before he offers this option before he actually offers any of the options because if you go back to the beginning of chapter 24 what we find is a roll call a remembrance of all that God has done for the children of Israel and he's forcing them to come to a conclusion when we look back and we remember all that God the creator has done for us his faithfulness, his grace, his mercy he's protected us, he's sustained us he's provided for us then they're forced to say, and then there's these temporary, lifeless gods that we've been worshiping, and they've never done anything for us, nothing, nothing, and so he brings them to a point of making a choice, for you and I, and making our choice is really to our advantage to recognize the same. All the gods that can call out for our attention, the temporary gods, whether they be of the past or of our ancestors or the culture, they've never really given us anything. Maybe a flittering moment of pleasure, but it was followed by guilt and shame. But they never offered us true love or contentment or peace, or joy. And when we stop and recognize that, then we have to ask one of those honest questions, then why would I worship? Why would I choose anything else? If we really think about it, the only thing that these gods have done is they've enslaved us, they've robbed us, and they've disappointed us. That's the only thing that they've done. So with all of this in mind, everything that you've heard today, would you, could we, do we willingly make the same choice that Joshua made? That we could renounce all other gods and we could say, but as for me, today I make a declaration. And my declaration, declaration is that for me, for me and my home, for me and my household, we're choosing the one true living God, the creator of the universe who brings complete joy and fulfillment and happiness and peace and mercy and grace and unconditional love he gave his son so that we could have all that we need for a full life. Can we make that choice today? Are we willing to acknowledge and dethrone the other gods so we can wholeheartedly give ourselves to him? That's part of the wrestling. That's what the choices are all about. Because remember, we don't get to choose to be neutral. We don't get to choose nothing. We have to choose something. And you've already made a choice. And your choice tells you which God's winning the battle in your lives. So today, is it the right choice? Would you stand? i want to pray for us. I-, I want you, just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just take a moment and... Um, Would you have an honest conversation with yourself? Would you uh, ask yourself, who's my God? What gods have I been serving? Uh, Would you be willing in that conversation to confess and repent and ask for the Holy Spirit's help in dethroning those gods so that you can say, "As for me and my house we will serve the Lord in Him only. Would you take just a moment to do that? Father, um, we do, as we stand in your presence today, we acknowledge your greatness. We recall all that you've done for us. And we confess that we're not always faithful to you. We don't always make the right choice. And so today, we um, we offer our wrong choices to you. We offer to you the temporary gods that we've given our, our attentions to, that we've been distracted by. We repent we're sorry Um, we ask for your forgiveness we thank you for your forgiveness and we ask that we would have an infilling of your spirit right now that would um, empower us in a fresh new way to dethrone the gods that we've given ourselves to we can only do this by your spirit we can't do it on our own and so We just cry out for your help right now. Strengthen us, I pray. God, we just wait on you. grace, your mercy, your peace, your kindness, your compassion your faithfulness forgiveness and today we say our choice is that we will serve you and you alone we serve you and you alone that's our declaration pray this in the most powerful name that we could ever even say, and that's the name of Jesus. And if that's your declaration today, if you were in agreement with this, would you just seal it by saying amen? Can we just offer applause to the Lord right now? Thank you, Father God. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.